0: You're listening to the Northeast Newscast, episode number 96. On this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast, we are speaking with Brian Stalder, outgoing Indian Mound Neighborhood Association president. Stalder discusses his time as president of the Neighborhood Association, the strengths and challenges the neighborhood faces, and what he hopes to see from incoming leadership. Stalder's last day as president was Monday, July 15th, when the board hosted their annual election and elected Manny Abarka as next president. So we're Here with Brian Stalder. You are the current Indian Mound president until Monday, correct? That's correct. Okay, awesome. So tell us a little bit about how or why you became president.
1: You know, I've lived in the neighborhood my whole life. And when my wife and I bought our first house back in 2003, you know, I wanted to be connected to what was going on in the community. I, I always read Northeast News at that point, And in 2008, I started contributing to Northeast News. You know, I was attending neighborhood association meetings when Scott Wagner, who was the president up until 2011, ran for city council. There was a, a shift in, you know, leadership position at the Indian Mountain Neighborhood Association. I sort of got drafted to be the secretary and then just through happenstance eventually ended up becoming president. That was October 2013-ish.
0: So Monday you guys are having the elections for the new president correct? Yes. Okay. And so you are anticipating um, Manny Abarka to become president or what does that look like?
1: Well, so um, we've got four board members, myself, uh, Manny Abarka, who's the executive vice president, Donna Miller-Brown, who is the treasurer, and Beth Beavers, who is the secretary. So then we also have a another seat that's open, which is the administrative vice president role. Uh, when we have the elections, I'm not running, which means that there will be three seats available. And I think the way that it's been communicated to me is that Manny, plans to run for the president seat, Donna for the executive vice president, and then we'll have a couple of other spots open. So yeah, it's just going to kind of shuffle around, but we've got uh, some other people that live in the community that uh, have stepped up to fill those other roles.
0: So tell us a little bit about your time as president. What are some of the things that you worked on, um, some of the things that you championed for the neighborhood?
1: Sure. So I, I never really saw myself in the role of president. I think I'm probably a lot more conservative than most of the people that live in the community. And so I didn't consider myself like somebody that should be in a leadership role. I always just wanted to be supportive of things that I was supportive of. So one of the initial challenges was just figuring out how to be a good leader, be a good representative of the people in my community, you know, so I had to learn to listen more and to speak less. I don't know if that has actually worked, but uh, I still talk a lot. I still share my opinions a lot, but I do really want to make sure that um, we're representing everyone's voice and that we're not just taking the position of maybe one resident's interest over the other. What that looks like is we've had some situations where, you know, there were was a parking issue with um, there was a non profit, the Healing House, that was um, you know, expanding and buying up a lot of the commercial property along the St. John corridor. And some of the residents that lived on the side streets noticed that some of their parking was uh scarce in front of their own houses during Bible study or other other times when Healing House had activities. And, and so we just had to um, figure out how we could you know work to you know, solve that amicably, not choosing sides. And so we connected with the Center for Conflict Resolution on that and were able to bring in some resources to to mediate that. And then as Healing House continued to grow, we had helped establish a line of communication between Healing House and those residents. And Healing House made sure that their, you know, their planning included ample parking. You know, they made that a priority because they heard the residents' concerns about that. And Indian Mound helped facilitate that. So there's, you know, there's been a lot of things like that. You know, the uh, Uh, Every year we have an opportunity to petition the city for PIAC funding for things in the community. And maybe what I want doesn't necessarily reflect what, uh, community wants. Sometimes I think that like when you're on a board or um, in a leadership position, sometimes it's easy to advocate for what you want or what you view people want. You know, you really need to do a better job of, you know, listening to people and having discussion about things so that you can kind of form a consensus on what would actually be a priority for the community. And so again, just finding myself in the role of, you know, neighborhood president, that was a skill that I had to, that I had to learn.
0: What are some of the other projects that you worked on for the neighborhood. Any maybe that you want to highlight that you're specifically proud of or that you think that the board worked well together with the community on? Sure.
1: Well, I mean, in this most recent uh, mayoral election, one of the hot-button topics or buzzwords has been affordable housing. Ever since I became president of the Neighborhood Association, that was um, an issue that, uh, you know, Indian Mound Neighborhood Association was championing or standing up for or drawing awareness to, you know, going back to at least, you know, late 2013 and simply that uh, Indian Mound or Northeast in general is a working class community that serves immigrants, that serves refugees. There was sort of this effort that I saw by a lot of folks that were in positions of leadership or power that were trying to bring in resources to artificially quote improve the neighborhood and it didn't look so much like engaging the folks that were the working class folks about how you could improve the community with while including them you know instead of bringing in you know just making it a place where other people would want to move in from the outside and essentially gentrify them and so we've paid attention you know from from the very beginning to issues like that and sort of pushed back against some of the efforts to bring in some of those resources and, and to gentrify the community i mean at the very least uh Make sure that there's there's more equity involved in those in those decisions. Being a small nonprofit of uh, you know neighborhood volunteers, we're limited with the resources that we have in terms of actually being able to like halt displacement or, or limit what kind of private capital could be injected into the into the community or how, how that looks in terms of like responsibility. One of the things that we've just really I think been proud of is we work with uh, legal aid of Western Missouri and uh, we identify a lot of vacant housing within our community that qualifies for what's called the Abandoned Housing Act. Those would be homes that nobody's living in that have open codes violations and that have at least two years of unpaid property taxes on them. And if they meet those requirements, then um, we can file a suit against them and then we can acquire the deed to those properties and then find families that are willing to put in some sweat equity to fix those homes up and live in them. And so we've done probably about a dozen or more cases like that over over the course of the time that I've been the president. And uh, We're really ramping that up here in the last year or two to do more of that. But ultimately, you know, what we see that as is we're giving folks that maybe don't qualify for a traditional loan or that are working class folks, we give them an opportunity to get an affordable house, which is going to help them build equity and be able to you know, use the the money that they that they earn from working for you know supporting their family in other ways. I mean, that's what's kept me around on the neighborhood association for as long as I have. You know, at one point they even in the very beginning when I was reluctant to step up to be president, Legal Aid of Western Missouri said, "Hey, if you don't have a neighborhood association, you know, you don't have urban homesteading." And so that is really what motivated me to just say, you know, if nobody wants to step up and do this, I guess it's me, and I'm happy to do that. So so that was sort of you know one of the one of the biggest projects that I've worked on since I was president.
0: What have been some of the challenges that you faced as president?
1: Honestly, this is unfortunate, but kind of clashing with other, other neighborhoods. Different neighborhoods have different folks in leadership that have different uh, views of where the Northeast should be headed. Sometimes, you know, we can, we can talk through those differences, but other times they're pretty radically different. I feel like we would be most successful if we, we did work together toward more common goals, but on specific issues. They were just so stark that um, it really just broke down communication and relationships. So I would say one of the biggest challenges was, you know, working through some of those uh, differences and then maybe even just repairing relationships that were severed early on. Because prior to being the president of the neighborhood association, I was also, you know, just a resident that lived here that had my own opinions. I'd put editorial cartoons in the newspaper. So I maybe didn't temper my views as much at that point as I learned to do after I became president.
0: And I think that's one thing that Scott. Wagner talked about in his last interview Mm -hmm. was really working to join the neighborhoods and kind of get them to or have a collective vision or kind of get on the same page and so he could help navigate the whole community, the whole Northeast in a specific direction so maybe that's something that new leadership can take on.
1: Yeah, Well I really hope so. I view the role of neat director as being somebody who you know has to try and bring all six neighborhoods together in a room to come up with a bigger vision that uh, even if two or three neighborhoods have two or three different views of where the, the neighborhood should be headed that there's still like some overlap or common ground in there and sometimes it's just even as simple as a, a difference in semantics and if he can you know navigate through some of those different personalities and, and opinions um, he's, he's doing his job great
0: so tell us a little bit about Indian Mound specifically maybe some demographics the challenges that the specific neighborhood faces and then some strengths that sure. the neighborhood has.
1: I think the the last time that the demographics were tallied, it, I think it was said we were about 52% Hispanic or Latino. You know, if you look at like voting statistics, there's, you know, maybe about 36% conservative, the rest democrat or liberal. You've still got folks that that are earning six figures but then you've also got the majority of folks that are, you know, living actually below the poverty level. You know, with demographics like that, you've just got, it's really hard to find a common ground or middle ground on things. And so that's why, you know, we haven't wanted to take like strong positions one way or another on things, but that we've really worked with, you know, Jerusalem Farms to form the Neighborhood Accountability Board or to bring in uh, Center for Conflict Resolution so that we could bring all of these different demographics together to just kind of talk through some of these issues. Indian Mound also has five schools. Uh, We've got James School, Gladstone, which are both elementary schools. We've got Holy Cross, which is K-8, through and then we've got uh, Northeast Middle School and Northeast High School, which means that there are a lot of kids in our community that is both a strength and a a challenge. I think, um, you know, the kids are the future of our neighborhood. I grew up in this neighborhood, and that's one of the reasons that I care about it so much, and I'm raising my kids here. And so thinking about all of the kids that are growing up here now, I really want them to graduate high school thinking that they care about this neighborhood too, not that they want to move away from it for, you know, a better opportunity, but to take advantage of the opportunities here and, you know, get involved and figure out ways that, uh, you know, they could help clean up the parks or buy a property and renovate it and raise their family family there. You know, also having a high school and middle school in the neighborhood also means that, you know, occasionally there's going to be kids that are skipping school or when school is out, they're bored and looking for something to do. And so there have been quite a few challenges with kids committing crimes in the community. And it's really hard to engage them because we don't necessarily want to target them with the police, make them feel unwelcome, start down that rabbit hole we really want to just try and reach out to them find out what services they need or that their family needs and then find ways that they could be included in our community that's something that I've had to learn on the job as well is is really how to navigate you know just interacting with with youth and families and identifying problems and then you know trying to work with whether that's the uh, social workers with the police department which weren't originally here when I you know when I became president and having someone like Trina Miller that I can just call now and say hey we're having you know some challenges from this property. Some of the kids here are, have been seen hovering around cars or peeking in windows. Can we send a, a social services coordinator out there rather than the police? You know, I mean, she she worked for the police department, but I, I just think the optics is different and having somebody like Trina Miller really helps us uh, navigate some of those challenges with the with the kids. In addition to the schools with their playgrounds and soccer fields and, and things like that, then we've also got um, our parks. Bud Park, uh, Indian Mound Park, and Kessler Park are all in the community. They're all great parks, and so we've really focused a lot of our PIAC dollars toward improvements in those parks. Um, I mean, I grew up playing in Bud Park, and so I've always kind of had this like little warm spot in my heart for Bud Park. I guess maybe I didn't necessarily recognize that, people didn't feel safe in or around Bud, Bud Park when I became president. And I think a lot of that had to do with the way that the media would report things, like if there was violence, even as far away as Independence Avenue, sometimes it'd be identified as, you know, this crime occurred near Bud Park. That was one of the things that Manny uh, really helped me with when uh, I first became president. Then I reached out and got Manny to join the board, and uh, he became the vice president. And the two of us uh, really worked on improving the Perception that people had of Bud Park. We got uh, some PIAC funding for cameras within the park. You know, we're just constantly focused on making sure the trash was cleaned up, that everything was, you know, nice looking, that it wasn't being neglected, and that, uh, you know, the media wasn't referring to Bud Park when they were talking about crime. And then we started hosting more events in Bud Park. But Bud Park is just one of our three parks Kessler Park, of course. Cliff Drive is part of that, and there's been illegal dumping problems up there. A lot of our um, efforts have also been with neighborhood cleanups and or raising awareness of the fact that illegal dumping is occurring there and then most recently um, we've shifted some focus on the Indian Mound Park which there's a there's a wall that's just north of Indian Mound Park that is frequently hit by vehicles that are just I think going around the the mound too quickly and hit it or they might um, pull over to park there and then when they pull out, they accidentally bump into it. And so it just seems like every time that we get this wall fixed, like within six months, it's uh, somebody's hit it again. We are working on not only getting that wall repaired, but um, coming up with a way to maybe buffer that so that um, people won't, or maybe even just uh slow traffic down so just to reduce the amount of, you know, occurrences of people driving into the wall. Yeah, our assets are our parks. I think those are some of our major assets. We've also got a pretty pretty thriving business corridor. You know, um, of course, you've got everything Thing along Independence Avenue, that all six neighbor that touch all six neighborhoods, um, and we've got the CID that manages that. But then we've also got businesses along St. John Avenue, and we try and support those as much as we can. We have, uh, you know, we have our community meetings at the library, which is an amazing asset for the community. But then we also like to have our meetings at the bigger Jigger or at uh, Helados Primavera, you know. So we try and uh, support some of these smaller businesses um, along St. John, help people that come to our meetings maybe, you, you know, walk through the threshold of some of these places that they drive past. But they never get out and explore.
0: So Manny is the only one, you know, that is running for the president. For uh, president. Yeah. yeah
1: I, the way that it was communicated to me is that and, and I understand this completely because I was in this situation in 2013. You know, that there's a lot of willingness to be involved, but nobody necessarily feels like they want the responsibility of or title of. Of president because it just it's really it's really not that big of a deal but it sounds like it is and I mean I'm I'm not gonna pretend that I don't have to read like 30 or 40 emails a day you know I have to coordinate a lot of things I mean that there are some things that demand some of my time but I mean when I look at what some of our volunteers are already doing you know that aren't even board members I mean they're giving immense amounts of their time to make the community a better place to help plan events or to go to meetings so the, the neighborhood association is really a team effort and it's being the role in the role of president is really just you know are you going to be the face and the spokesperson for for the community?
0: What do you hope to see out of the new board and the new leadership? Well,
1: um, one of the things that we always talk about, and and then we I don't know how much we really put. Um, resources behind this or yeah i mean maybe we get a lot give it a lot of lip service but we don't see results and it's probably more of our own fault than anything but we always talk about if our demographics are 52% latino then why don't we have anywhere near that you know in terms of like who shows up to our to our community meetings and i know that Manny has shared these frustrations with me ab- about that. And so he's told me that he really wants to um, try and engage the, the Latino community uh, more. And maybe it, maybe it could be as simple as just having a Latino face of the Neighborhood Association that maybe uh, makes the Neighborhood Association more palatable or approachable for the Latino community. You know, I really hope that the next board has more luck in that area than, than we have had over the past five or six years that I've been president. But uh, they're going to continue with uh, urban homesteading. Like I said, we've been ramping that up. We, you know, over the last few years have have formed, you know, a parks board, a crime and safety board you know, um, some of these organizations, you know, just like little subgroups or or committees that are just focused on one specific area where we can get more feedback from the community, come to a consensus on things so that, you know, we can um, put more resources towards specific goals rather than just kind of talking about this is still a problem or that's still a problem, but we've identified the problem we've got, you know, and then we're in a place to take action behind it. I think that we've seen a lot of progress with that over the last few years. And I think that uh, the incoming board having, you know, three, current board members and then hopefully two new board members that are full of energy and passion and like you know new new fresh ideas could continue taking what we've done over the last five or six years and then propel it forward
0: okay last question that i have for you uh will you still be involved in any capacity whatsoever
1: yeah so when i uh, my passion is really the arts and so when i was going to neighborhood meetings a decade ago it was more informational and i always envisioned myself getting involved in the community through the arts you know um i, I would I wasn't sure if that was going to look like painting murals or, you know, seeking out grants that would bring art to the community, live music acts, whatever. And then, of course, I started out doing editorial cartoons in, in the Northeast News before I was part of the neighborhood board. So my hope is that I'll have more time to focus on my passion, which is the arts, um, and, and and weaving that into the community. But there are also things that I've sort of, you know, had a hand in or overseen well, I was president and I can't just walk away from that. You know, I need to make sure that um, that the incoming board, some of the incoming board members and some of the other, you know, committee members, uh, like specifically uh, Crime and Safety Committee, um, have the support that they need from me and and I'm still a resource for them. No, I definitely won't uh, just be, you know, walking away. I'll be involved in some capacity, but more of a, supportive role rather than a leadership role and and eventually I hope to you know be able to focus more on some of my passions as opposed to you know call of duty.
0: Anything else that you want to add that I might not have touched on? Today? Nope. Okay well thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you.
1: It was good to be here.
0: And that was outgoing Indian Mound Neighborhood Association President Brian Stalder. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Orozco. <laughs>